0: Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer.
1: And I'm Katie Gainey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture.
0: And Katie, today we are going to be talking about another biopic, Harriet, (laughs) about the real life of Harriet Tubman.
1: (laughs) Jared, did you see in the notes? I put biopic and then I put bio like Ohio so that from (laughs) now on I would remember.
0: There you go. That's a good way to remember it. So we'll get into that here in just a few minutes um, on this episode of the Silver Screen Podcast, episode number 28. So thanks so much for listening. At the beginning, we always do a little news of movie news, box office news, whatever the case may be. And speaking of the box office, we thought on this show we might review Dr. Sleep and or Last Christmas because they looked interesting. Well, they were both big disappointments at the box office and also not that well received critically especially not um, last Christmas. So we decided to to pass on those for now.
1: (laughs) I think that was a good decision. I, I do think most people would know we definitely like to take polls when we can and stuff to see what other people would like to hear. But if it's just a movie that's maybe not worth seeing, especially heading into Oscar season, we just thought those would be ones that might not be worth the time and money right now.
0: Yes, because this time of year is the busiest time when we have tons of stuff coming out. So we try to do episodes on things that are like we think might get Oscar nominations or awards buzz or they're just like really highly reviewed and they look pretty good and and things like that. So we passed on both of those for now, but uh, just know that those movies are out if you want to go see them last Christmas and Dr. Sleep. So... Check those out. Um, also, on our last episode, we talked about the King. And if you haven't listened to that, just whatever podcast or app you're listening—sorry, whatever app you're listening in right now—you can just uh, go back an episode, and that's the last episode that we did. The King, starring Timothy Chalamet, which is on Netflix, about King Henry V. And Katie, you actually watched a video on YouTube that kind of explained some more story behind King Henry V and the movie as a whole, right?
1: Yes. It was really helpful because I even mentioned this in my my class I'm taking at UND because um, we're reading Ivanhoe. I mentioned that I get confused with both the king and also the book Ivanhoe being able to figure out what was fact versus fiction. And I just like to know because I don't want to be at like a dinner party and someone's talking about Henry V and then I have no idea if he was real or not. Which I knew he was real. That's an exaggeration. But if you all are like me and you're interested in kind of figuring out what's facts versus fiction, Netflix actually put this YouTube video out and it's called The Real Story Behind Timothy Chalamet's Henry V. And that's Henry V. They do the Roman numeral. Um, It's only nine minutes long. But it was super informative, and then it just gave a lot of information. It also showed a lot of things that they did follow that were historically accurate, but for the most part, it definitely, uh, it didn't happen that way. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> good to know so that's on YouTube you said right and you could just go watch it there pretty easy to check out.
1: Yes yes cool
0: so if you're if you watch the King and you want more backstory or whatever the case may be if you want just some more info about it as a whole then good good on Netflix for putting that out just to give some more context about the King. Then the other news item we have is at the time of this recording yesterday was the launch day for Disney Plus Disney's brand new streaming service. That is on all platforms, Fire Stick, PS4, Roku, on their web, you know, website, app, on your phone. You can get a lot of places. Disney Plus, though, launched officially yesterday. And I and my girlfriend, Allison, we signed up for a subscription. $70 for the entire year, so not bad. And I got on there yesterday, and the first thing that I watched was this show um, called The Imagineering Story which is pretty interesting. It's actually about the Imagineers at Disney and um, Disney World and Disneyland and how they develop rides and come up with things in their theme parks. So the first episode was all about Walt Disney and him coming up with the idea for Disneyland and how they kind of built that and structured that back in the 50s and 60s. So that was really interesting, more of a documentary type thing that I watched, which is probably not what most people watched first on Disney Plus because there's a ton of Disney movies on there. But uh, the original series, that's one of their new original series series and I I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good, pretty high quality and then they'll have new episodes of their original series come out every week. So, that was what I watched, the Imagineering story, which was interesting. So is-
1: is the difference? Do you have to pay it all up front? Like you have to pay for a year up front rather than so monthly? Like you Netflix? don't
0: have to if you don't want to. You can do seven bucks a month or seventy bucks for the whole year. So if you have the money to pay for the whole year up front, you'll save a little bit in the long run because oh. that comes out to like five something a month instead of seven dollars. So that's what we did. But you can, yeah, you can also go monthly if you want. So, but the year is nice because then once you once you pay it, obviously you're done and you get a little cheaper right. rate. And and if they raise the price at all in the first year, which they probably won't, if they were to, then you would still be locked in at that rate that you you paid, basically. So you can also That's bundle nice. it, bundle it with uh, Hulu and ESPN Plus. That's a couple more bucks a month. But if you don't have those already, you can like, or if you want to bundle them together, you can do that and probably save a couple bucks too. Because I guess That's Disney nice. owns Disney owns Hulu now. I'm not sure. So. I guess that's interesting. So they said on Disney Plus, they're going to keep mostly stuff that is PG-13 rated and under. And then on Hulu, that's where they'll put like some of their more adult films or like 20th Century Fox stuff since they own them now. That'll go on Hulu. So like Deadpool, I guess, will be on Hulu and other things like that, like R-rated things, I guess. So good to know. Didn't know that was going to be a thing. So. But I like it. It was a little, had its issues on the first day. A little laggy. Stuff just took a little while to load. But other than that, I mean, that's going to be your normal issues when so many people are using it at once and you don't have the server, you know, demand or set up for it yet. So yeah. that's fine. That's not a big deal. I didn't really care about that too much. They do have a ton of stuff to watch on there, though. I mean, every, just about every Disney movie that you'd want to watch. All Star Wars movies up to the most recent one that came out, um, which that one's not still on Netflix so they don't have that one yet. A lot of Marvel movies, a lot of Pixar movies. So like me, I don't own all that stuff on DVD. I never really bought the Disney DVDs. We had the VHS tapes as a kid. I think every right. kid of the 90s and late 80s did, but I didn't really buy much of the many of those movies on DVD after I moved out. So, I don't own them, so it's nice that there's just an option that you can just go on there and stream them kind of whenever you want. And as I've said too, to some of my friends, I was like if you have kids, then this seems like a definite buy at 7 bucks a month, you know what I mean? Like cuz your if your kid yeah, likes Disney, definitely. yeah. <laughs> There's so much stuff on there that's family friendly that you can watch with your whole family or if your kids want to watch it. And I said, I made this point on my radio show the other day that I was just saying, you know, if you're going to grandma and grandpa's house, you're on a road trip or you're at a hotel, you know, somewhere where you don't have your normal, you know, movie collection there, you can just get on your iPad or laptop on Disney plus and pull up something. And then the kid can be entertained for, you know, hours, which seems like it's well worth $7 a month for most parents probably. Right.
1: Right. Well, that's that's, awesome. I'm glad you liked it.
0: It's good. I'm interested to see what they do with some of their more original shows and how they develop those. They have a lot more in the works coming down the pipeline. I think they had six original shows uh, for their launch. I can't remember the exact number. They have like um, The Mandalorian, which is obviously the big one that I haven't watched yet, which is a Star Wars show. They have one with Jeff Goldblum. They have a show with Kristen Bell where she like helps kids do like musicals at their high school, I think, something like that. Yeah. They have the High School Musical show, which I haven't watched, mm-hmm. and they have, I think, one more, the Imagineering Story thing, which I mentioned, and I think they have one more original show. Um, I think it has to do with Forky from Toy Story, not so more for kids, but those are kind of the, the original ones that they launched with. So, wow, dis-
1: well, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, Disney Plus, it's pretty cool. You get a seven-day free trial, too, when you sign up. So if you if you try it out and you don't like it, you can cancel within that first seven days and you, know, you won't be charged anything. So if you just want to try it out to see, do I like this? Is there stuff on here that I would watch? You do get a week-free trial of it. So check it out if you're interested in Disney stuff. That's our ad for Disney Plus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give us <laughs> money.
0: Didn't pay us to say that. But just another streaming service in the list of streaming services that we'll all have eventually and then it'll just be like cable where we have five streaming services and you just go to each one to watch something different. So, right. So Disney plus though has officially launched. So next up corrections corner, no corrections for this episode. So that's good. That's great. Well done us on a winning streak. Yes, Yes, we are. And now we we'll get into our review of Harriet, which was released on November 1st of this year. Rated PG-13 thematic content throughout some violent material and language, including racial epithets, which makes sense. This is a very racially based movie. It takes place during the time when there are slaves and the Underground Railroad. So race plays a big part in this movie. So, understandable there, but it is rated PG-13. It's 2 hours and 5 minutes and then IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes scores. IMDb is 6.4 out of 10 and then Rotten Tomatoes 72% critics, but audiences are really liking this 97%, which is kind of a wide jump.
1: I know. I was actually really surprised by that. I I am veering much more towards the audience score, but I thought that was really quite a gap.
0: It is a big gap, especially with something that is, I am kind of closer, probably not as high in the audience score as you are, but I'm definitely higher than the critic score of 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's better yeah. than that, as we'll get into here as we go along. But that is really interesting. So it's made $25 million at the box office so far, and it had a $17 million budget. So it made it. made it's made its budget back, which is always good for independent movies like this and smaller films that are based on historical things. This was released by Focus Features. So they're, they're a decent sized company, but not huge. Um, so it's good that it made its money back on Harriet. And then also, they didn't have a ton of advertising for this movie. So it's not like they probably had a huge marketing budget. Um, the only place I really saw stuff for it was like trailers before we saw other movies. So yeah, other than that, I think they probably made their money back and have made even a little profit on it, which is good. It's good that people are going and seeing this. $25 million is no small feat at the box office. So it's good that this has made that much.
1: I was surprised by how much it had made at this point already. And I think it's very important now because we have not only a woman of color, but just a woman in general at the helm of this movie. And it was a female director. So it's really exciting. And it also tells the story of something that like, I I don't know about you, but I knew very little about Harriet and her life before seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. And it almost made me outraged that I hadn't learned more about her in school.
0: Yeah, I knew a little bit, but not. I definitely learned stuff from this movie, and I knew she was involved with the Underground Railroad, but that's really all I knew. Didn't really know many details about her life. So this movie, I think, is good because it definitely delves into more aspects of that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, the synopsis of it. It's based on the thrilling and inspirational life of an iconic American freedom fighter. Harriet Harriet tells the extraordinary tale of Harriet Tubman's escape from slavery and transformation into one of America's greatest heroes. Her courage, ingenuity, and tenacity freed hundreds of slaves, and changed the course of history. That's the synopsis for this movie. And also, this movie was filmed in Virginia. Didn't know if you knew that, Katie, but Virginia is where they filmed this. I did not know that. My
1: mom is from Virginia.
0: Nice. So I just feel like that's not a super common place to film a movie. So when no. we hear about international locations or, you know, LA or George, George is a big one because of the tax credits. So mm-hmm. this movie filmed in Virginia uh, last year from October to December of 2018. That's when they filmed this. So. About a year between filming and release, which is pretty standard. So we'll get into some critics reviews now. What critics thought of this movie? We have three different ones for today's episode. Um, This first one is Christy Lemire of Film Week NPR Los Angeles. And she says, Cynthia Arrivo is really great, but the film is an unfortunately really safe by the numbers biopic. How do you feel about that one, Katie?
1: So that's actually the way I felt like it was going to be going into it. And I completely did not feel that way when I left.
0: Okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah I think mm-hmm. there was some aspects of it that were kind of formulaic, but as a whole, I was interested the whole time. So I don't know if I completely agree with her. Um, right. Then also we have Janiah Green of the Chicago Reader. And she says, this film is dramatized in a way that neither exaggerates nor lessens Harriet's extremely real struggle. No film can tarnish a legacy so profound. Hmm. That's a good I one. I liked
1: that quote. Yeah, and I think
0: the movie did do a good job of like not like overhyping what she did, but also not downplaying it at all. It felt authentic. It didn't feel cheesy. If that's what I guess I'm trying to say is that it felt like they really did a nice job of sticking to history. And it felt like that while it was playing out on screen, it was, you know, accurate and it didn't feel like it was over the top. That's my one probably complaint with, I guess, Judy a little bit when our previous episode, a couple episodes ago, is that Judy sometimes was a little over the top. But again, that's Judy Garland as a person. So but I feel like sometimes it was just a little more cheesy and it's in its direction and how they decided to go with the scripting and stuff, but not in Harriet Harriet, definitely yeah. more authentic. So, and then the last one is from Joanna Schneller of globe and mail. And she says the pint size Erivo captures the pint size Tubman's determination and fire. And by focusing on the violence slavery did to families lemons, that's the director makes us feel it's outrages afresh.
1: I think that perfectly captured it. Cause Erivo looks to be the same in size and stature as Harriet Tubman actually was. And I I agree with you. I think this goes right along the lines of the authenticity and everything that we felt in the film, you and I felt as viewers. I think that, uh, that, excuse me, Lemons, she did a wonderful job of actually capturing that.
0: I think she did too. And we'll talk about her more in just a second. But first, we're going to take a quick break right here on the Silver Screen Podcast. And welcome back here on the Silver Screen Podcast. We are talking about Harriet, the movie based on the real-life story of Harriet Tubman. This movie directed by Cassie Lemons, who was actually in Silence of the Lambs, Candyman, and Eve's Bayou. And she has 10 directing credits so far.
1: I know. I was surprised. I tried to look up uh, where who she was in Silence uh-huh. of the Lambs because I've seen that movie quite a few times. I I couldn't actually place it, but I think she's just one of the friends of... Uh, Jody Foster. Okay. So Good to know. I okay. could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that she's one of her friends in the film. Okay.
0: Cool. Also, but like you I, said, I was
1: impressed.
0: I was going to say, like you said, a movie about a woman that is directed by a woman. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it looked like most of the films she's made, at least before this one, have been kind of either low budget or they haven't been a wide release film. So for her first one, at least the first one to my knowledge that she's directed that is wide release, I think she did a spectacular job.
0: Okay. Good to know. So did you know too, I just found this on Google, the guy who plays the preacher character in the film, Mm -hmm. he is married to Cassie Lemons. Oh, Von D I had Curtis no Hall. Idea. They are. They've been married since 1995. So, pretty I didn't cool.
1: realize that was him. <laughs> that is. That's actually really really sweet. I like to hear that. It is. That.
0: So he plays the the preacher character in this movie. I forget his character's name. He has a kind of a smaller role. He's in a couple scenes, but that's cool that they're married. And he's appeared in some of her other movies that she's directed too. So that's kind of cool. Just sneaks oh, her husband in.
1: <laughs> I know. That's so nice. What was the other movie? Oh, it was yesterday that we saw the same thing. And mm-hmm. um. I just looked up. I don't know if we've been saying this, but her name is pronounced Casey.
0: Okay. Casey. So K-
1: okay. K-A-S-I. It's actually pronounced Casey. I only knew that because I noticed it last night when I was looking at IMDb and it has that on there. Her name is pronounced okay. Casey. Cool.
0: Casey so, Lemons. Casey the director Lemons. Yes. For this movie. Yes. And now we'll get into the cast, which obviously starts with Cynthia Erivo, who plays Harriet Tubman.
1: Yeah, Cynthia Erivo is basically my new hero in life. Um, She (laughs) was also in the movie Widows, Bad Times at the El Royale, and she was also in several episodes of the TV show Broad City. She has a ton of upcoming work, including the TV series Genius, where she is going to star as Aretha Franklin. Makes a lot of sense to me considering her voice. Yep. Um, She's also, I noticed, going to rejoin... Her Harriet co-star, Leslie Odom Jr., in a movie called Needle in a Time Stack. Not a haystack, a time stack. okay. And then she is best known prior to Harriet, I believe was best known, for her Tony Emmy Grammy Award-winning performance in The Color Purple when she starred in that on Broadway. So they also did like a made-for-TV special kind of a thing where they did a performance, and that's what she won the Grammy for because I wanted to check all these things. And Jared, if she wins an Oscar... Come February when the Oscars happen, she will be the youngest EGOT winner of all time. And for those of you, I'm assuming people know this, but EGOT is Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Mm -hmm. She is currently 32 years old. And I know you and I looked up uh, before we started recording today that John Legend, I believe right now, is currently the youngest EGOT winner.
0: Yes, he's forty, so he's still pretty one of the younger ones for sure. So and like you said, Cynthia Revo would be the youngest if she were to win an Oscar for anything in this movie. And like you were saying before we started recording, even if she wins for a song that was in this movie, like original Mm -hmm. song or something, that still counts. So that's how John Legend got his E got. So Yes.
1: So I'm very excited for her, definitely rooting for her. I think there's going to be a lot of excellent uh, best actress performances this year. So I I at this point think she could ac- absolutely get it, but at the same time we haven't seen everything yet. Um but I definitely think a song will be nominated has the potential at least and that she could win for that.
0: I think so next too. Next up
1: we <laughs> Next up we have Leslie Odom Jr. He plays William Still in the film. We've seen him in Murder on the Orient Express. He was also on a bunch of TV shows, including The Good Wife, Person of Interest, Gotham, Smash, and Law & Order SVU, one of my personal favorites. And I think his most famous role that everybody knows him from was he was the original Aaron Burr in Broadway's Hamilton with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, Because of all of these notable roles, but especially that one, he has many upcoming projects as well, including the movie I listed, Needle in a Time Stack, also Music, Central Park. The mini Saints of Newark, and I was excited to see he has an untitled project already listed with Kerry Washington, but they don't Ooh. say what it is. Okay,
0: that'll be interesting.
1: Yes. Um, next up, we have Janelle Monet, who I noticed she's been popping up in a lot of movies. I've definitely been seeing her in movies much more than music lately. She plays Mary Buchanan in this film. She has also starred in Hidden Figures, Moonlight, Welcome to Marwin. And she is actually going to be the voice of Peg in Lady and the Tramp later this year. I am i didn't catch if that was a Disney Plus thing or if that was going to be one of the live action movies they're doing. I
0: believe that um, is on Disney Plus. And I think it's, okay. I think it's out Perfect. now. I don't want to misspeak, cool. but I will Google here and let you know.
1: <laughs> sure. So she is in that. And then also we will see her in season two of Homecoming, which I know has been a really popular show on Amazon Prime.
0: Nice. Yes, she is in the Lady in the Tramp movie is out now. So if you have Disney Plus, you can watch it. So there you go.
1: That's awesome. Next up, we have Joe Alwyn. He plays Gideon Brodus. I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but he's best known for being (laughs) Taylor Swift's boyfriend for the the last three (laughs) years or so. Um, He is quite attractive. He's picking up steam in America. He is actually English. Um, He was also in The Favorite, which everybody was talking about last year, um, alongside uh, Emma Stone. He was also in the movie Boy Erased and Mary Queen of Scots. He has two upcoming projects: one called The Souvenir Part Two, and the second is The Last Letter from Your Lover.
0: And I didn't know that that was actually him in this movie. Yes. So I didn't put that together at all. I don't know why, but I thought his character is kind of evil, obviously. But I thought oh my he did gosh, a the worst. he did a really good job acting that character, which we'll probably talk about more in a little bit. But he I did, forgot, and I didn't I'm know that was so... Joe Allen.
1: Oh. Yeah, I am so impressed by how many people in this film were not did not have the accent that they portrayed. So like Joe Alwyn, not only mm-hmm, is he yep. British, but he also had to play like a southern man, like property yes. landowner. Then Jennifer Nettles, who's the next one I'll mention, you know, she's a country singer, but it was just weird that she this is the first thing I had seen her in as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um and she had that that twang and was just awful. And then Cynthia Arrivo is also British. Yep. Um, which that was a conflict that came up, but I don't really want to pay it any attention. People were upset she was portraying Harriet Tubman. I think people need to calm down. Um, as long as the story gets told, I don't understand why that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, not really sure um, why.
1: Jennifer Nettles, well, yeah, I it's different, sure, if we're talking about people of a different race playing a different yes. race, something yep. like that. Yeah. But I mean, this woman is gorgeous and she is a woman of color. Um, She's playing a as long as color, the story so. is being told. Right. Yes. So not a big deal. Um, anyway, so that's just a hot take from Katie. So if, if people have comments, please feel free. Um, I already mentioned Jennifer Nettles. She played Eliza Brodus, who is Joe Alwyn's mother in the film. Um, she's best known for starring in the country band Sugarland. She's been in a couple TV series. She was in Underground and then also The Righteous Gemstones. I didn't see anything upcoming for her. Um, I didn't even know she was going to enter into acting, but she did a good job in this movie, but I really hated her character.
0: Yeah, her character's a jerk. And- <laughs>
1: And then last now uh, the last actor I I there were a lot of recognizable faces in this film, um, especially African American people I knew from a lot of things, um, but I only wanted to mention this man because he definitely was the most recognizable for me. This is Clark Peters. He plays Ben Ross. He's been in a lot, including HBO's The Wire. He was also in three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. John Wick, and the TV show Underground, so he would have known Jennifer Nettles from that. He it was he is currently starring in His Dark Materials, which is on HBO, with okay. manuel Miranda, so that's a connection there to Leslie Odom. Um, he has lots of upcoming projects, including The Mandela Effect, Come Away, and Sexual Healing, which I do think, based on the title, might be about Marvin Gaye
0: could be and, yes <laughs> um,
1: I was thinking about Clark Peters something about oh underground I just thought this was interesting since we were speaking about John Legend and everything uh when I lived in Savannah they actually because John Legend was a producer on that show yeah they actually came down to Savannah and filmed a couple episodes and I got to watch so that was really okay. cool while I did was you get to there.
0: meet John Legend
1: no he wasn't there okay or if he was I never saw him during the particular two days that I Went and watched. Okay. I just thought that was interesting. That is cool.
0: So, so now that's basically the cast for Harriet. So, like you said, there's some smaller roles in this movie, but there's a lot of smaller roles. And like we've said before, you kind of see that in biopics because it goes through a person's life and there's different periods of time in that person's life. So, people will come in for a couple scenes and then you're on to the next portion of their life. So, that's just kind of how these types of movies work. But next up, as you normally do, Katie, for the, the movies based on historical subjects, you who kind of did a little fact versus fiction research. And there's this movie, you said, stayed pretty true to the actual real life of Harriet Tubman.
1: It actually did. I was very impressed. Um, I got almost all the information I found from biography.com. If you just look up Harriet Tubman, it's one of the top results. Um, she, So almost everything I'm going to say is true. So if it's not true, I'll tell you that. But she was indeed born into slavery, found her way to freedom, and became the most famous conductor of the Underground Railroad. I think it's very uh, cool that they call the people the leaders conductors. The conductors, by the way. yeah, yeah. After the Civil War, it's true she did dedicate her life to helping impoverished former slaves and the elderly. But I read, unfortunately, she was very impoverished herself. So even though she was famous and people took care of her, she did not have a lot of money to her name um, for her entire life.
0: Also, just she was during severely.
1: The- Sorry,
0: I was gonna say during the movie she definitely gets a uh, a glow up in wardrobe too from the beginning of the movie to the end. Oh my gosh,
1: I loved yes, so many things she wore and Janelle Monae wore. I was like, I would wear this now, it would look weird, but I love it. Um, She was severely abused as a young slave. We didn't really get to see that uh, Mm -hmm. in the film, so this is one thing it deviated from the film. She did actually have an injury that caused her to have visions, but this is the real. This is like the real story. I'm quoting the most severe injury occurred when Tubman was an adolescent sent to a dry goods store for supplies. She encountered a slave who had left the fields without permission. The man's overseer demanded that Tubman help restrain the, sorry, restrain the runaway. When Tubman refused, the overseer threw a two pound weight that struck her in the head. Tubman endured seizures, severe headaches, and narcoleptic episodes for the rest of her life. She also experienced intense dream states, which she classified as religious experiences. So I thought that was really interesting. Did
0: they mention Uh, that at all during the movie? I feel like they did at some point I can't remember. But I think I don't they know. mentioned
1: that she was hit in the head, but I don't think they give any reasoning behind it. And I think you're um, right. And and I felt like they focused. You're you're absolutely right. They did allude to it, but I feel okay. like they focused so much on the visions and that it seemed. This is going to be one of my dislikes, actually. But it seemed almost fake to me. These visions, or like I didn't like the way it was filmed, um, to where I Same almost here. thought it seemed like a joke. And to me, I thought this woman was deeply religious and believed in God and believed what she believed, which I think is so great, and that she held to her convictions, like stood firm. But I feel like the movie made it a little like a joke, but in real life, this was serious to her. But it does also explain when they say narcoleptic narcoleptic episodes and things, it makes sense when they said like, It looked like she was falling asleep or she'll come back to us in a minute. I mean, that's all indicative of narcolepsy, but also uh, seizures as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently it did get worse as she aged. I read that too. So when she was getting old, her head, it was pretty bad. And it said that there was like a buzzing sound. I don't think it was tinnitus, but it like definitely contributed to some health issues. Um, She did walk her way to freedom. She saved her parents, several siblings and 300 people during her 19 trips back and forth. She earned the nickname Moses, which they say that in the film, but that was actually the name of one of her younger brothers. So I'm not sure why, if they thought she looked like her brother, but I just know that Moses happened to be her brother's name as well. Um, She started her journey when the owner died, like we saw in the film, but originally her brother started the journey with her, but they turned back. There is definitely evidence to support that she met Frederick Douglass, the famous abolitionist and former slave. Um, he was, we saw him in the film, but they didn't really get into any kind of mm-hmm. connection there. And then Senator Stewart or Seward, I knew who that was immediately because Lincoln is my favorite president. And I knew that they, he worked with Lincoln. So this was pre-Civil War, but it all made sense. Cause I was like, oh yes. And then Lincoln's going to be president and that's what's, how this is going to work. Um, but Senator Seward liked her so much That uh, when she eventually decided to settle down, he sold her some land in Auburn, New York, and that's where she lived for quite a while. And she housed a lot of um, people that she was like freed slaves and elderly people, people who needed a home. She was, like they said in the film, the first woman to lead an armed expedition in the Civil War. She guided the Combahee River Raid, which liberated more than 700 slaves in South Carolina. So, if we're keeping a total, that's 1,000 people she helped free.
0: Exactly. (laughs) She died of
1: pneumonia. Yeah. She died of pneumonia on March 10th, 1913. She was buried with military honors, which I thought was spectacular. Um, And she is in Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn, New York, and she was 93 years old. Wow. So
0: that's impressive that she lived that long back in that, the 1800s oh, and know. 1900s. So
1: yes. people didn't live and that, that article, long back then. that same. No, not at all. And then on biography.com where I saw this article, they have pictures of her when she's young, like the one we see Cynthia Arrivo pose for. It's that famous portrait. But then mm-hmm. you see one of her at 93. She really doesn't look that different. It's remarkable. So um and then I think the last thing I just <laughs> I just wanted to say, there's a quote. There's two things. There's a quote she says in the film over and over. So the real quote she said, I had reasoned this out in my mind. There was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. So I thought that was really cool. That's a good (laughs) quote, yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing, um, I won't get political, I will just share, that she was supposed to be on the $20 bill. Uh, This was a piece of legislation they were trying to pass a couple years ago. Um, But Steve Mnuchin, who's currently in charge of that, uh, said there won't be any changes to any of the bills until 2026. So she was supposed to originally, they said, replace Hamilton, the $10 bill, but because this is so cool how popular culture affects these things because the play Hamilton became so famous, they decided, well, let's not ruin the Hamilton bill. Let's put her on Jackson because Andrew Jackson was not the best guy and he (laughs) was a slave owner. And they were like, well, let's get rid of him. So that is put on hold. But I 100% would advocate that she deserves a spot on the bill. So we'll see what happens. But it sounds like we might not hear anything till 2026.
0: It's so interesting, too, that our country puts, like, and other countries do, too, but I just always find it interesting that countries put, like, presidents or political figures on their money. You know what I mean? That's, like, a very interesting thing. Like, you could put kind of anything on there or just leave it blank, but they're, like, nah, we'll slap a pic of George Washington on this. You know what I mean? Right. Like... (laughs) just kind of funny so yes but that that was you were right that was something that was supposed to happen and then got pushed back so hopefully in 2026 it will happen because from this movie you learned that she did a lot of great things to help you know fight slavery and get slavery abolished and all of that so i definitely support her being on a a dollar bill or a piece of piece of money for sure so now we'll get Thank into you Jared you know problem now we'll get into <laughs> our likes and dislikes for this movie definitely more likes than dislikes so um that's going to be more of positives and negatives for this film for sure and you really liked this movie Katie and kind of had the same thought I did overall that when I saw the trailers for this I thought this looks decent. It looks like it's an interesting story. But if I'm being honest, I don't think you or I, either of us expected this to be like amazing. I think we thought it would be good, but we didn't think right. it would be like a top tier movie just based on the trailers and what we saw. I thought, oh, that's kind of just going to be another biopic about Harriet Tubman, which she's a very interesting person. And it'll be cool to learn more about her. But honestly, I know you definitely did and I did as well. The expectations were you know, exceeded from this movie.
1: Oh, absolutely. I wasn't trying to mean any disrespect because her story should be told. I just was so... I was just like, you know, I feel like this is going to be very... Like that one critic did say formulaic. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how they're going to make this interesting. But they did. I mean, I... I didn't once think about what time it was or that I was tired. I cried by the end. I almost cried a couple times and I was so like tense in a way that I don't normally get. Like I was ready to punch the Brodus family in the face. I was, (laughs) I was like jumping out of my seat. I was, I was like gripping the arms of my chair, uh, in the theater when she was like, Almost got caught a couple times trying to make the journey back and forth to free people. Oh, it was just so good. It made me very emotional and made me feel just a lot of things I wasn't really prepared for and didn't expect.
0: And then another thing that we mentioned already a little bit, but the costumes in this movie and then um, the hair and the makeup and everything that they did there was really well done as far as with the main characters, but also the side characters, too, and really captured that time and that era really well.
1: I completely agree. I've already mentioned what I loved about the costumes, but man, I would buy that stuff today. And, and I even loved how, I don't think Cynthia Rivo had much makeup on, if any at all, but she looked stunning. And I know part of that's genetics and having a good complexion, mm-hmm. but whatever they did, even when she was supposed to look rough, the way they messed up her hair and the way they tore her clothes, all of it just seemed so well executed.
0: And then also another big thing in the the movie that plays out, and this would obviously be something you put in a movie when you have Cynthia Erivo because she can sing so well, is there's a lot of songs in this movie. More so like gospel, I would almost mm-hmm. say, is kind of the tone they went with for this movie. Like a lot of like hymns and things like that that are just like call and response songs sort of that people would probably sing during that time but they had a lot of those throughout the movie but i thought every time one of those popped up it was it was well done they also use that to advance the plot at times because like harriet will show back up at places or like the old house that she used to work at and she'll start singing and that's how the other people that are there know that she's there and they know that you know she they're responding to her basically
1: Oh, yes. That was another thing. I can't quote it exactly. I watched, I, I mean, the night I saw this movie, I think I spent an entire hour looking up stuff about her <laughs> afterwards and watching Cynthia Revo give interviews. And she apparently did have a real system like that. So there were okay. different songs that she would use to notify them that different things were happening. And then I think she even used like clicks and different sounds with her okay. mouth that weren't even just words or songs so that people could know where she was and when they were supposed to leave and stuff like that.
0: And I think, too, because they sang a lot, you know, the slaves did when they were working or whatever, that Mm -hmm. the owners probably didn't even realize that it was like a code thing. They're just like probably thought they were just singing again. You know what I mean? So I feel like that was a way to probably disguise it. So that's very smart. She's a very smart woman, honestly, things that she does in this movie, just very, very like high, high intelligence, even though she didn't really have a lot of education. And that's like one thing that comes up a lot is that she didn't even really know how to read until later in life um but she was yeah. very very high street smarts if you will harriet tubman so <laughs> definitely was definitely. very well skilled in that area so and then another thing overall just generally is one it took a it took a while for a movie to be made about harriet tubman but also i didn't learn that much about harriet tubman in school i knew she was involved with the underground railroad but i didn't know just to what extent and actually how many people she freed from slavery and how she got that whole process you know moving forward to abolish slavery she was a huge player in the in the Underground Railroad and abolishing slavery and I feel like you just don't hear about that her about her that much in like school nowadays
1: no I was so angry and it's not even just because there's like a women's movement. I was just more like this woman did extraordinary things with with very little education, very little encouragement. She relied on herself and her faith, and that's why she did so well. But we hear about the Olympics, like we care about people that mm-hmm. can do these extraordinary things. We this movie Ford versus Ferrari, like we're going to hear about yep. this incredible these incredible feats and inventions and we but there was so much time spent learning about presidents and stuff in school and that's fine but then i think like this woman how did we not hear about this woman
0: yeah exactly like she played a big part in abolishing slavery and had a huge you know was a huge historical figure during that time period and was talking with the world you know the leaders of the day in in that time period and was also a woman of color and was doing all yeah. this
1: And I mean, you just better believe I'm going to tell everyone who wants to know, I'm going to tell them about this film and then I guarantee whatever children, nieces and nephews I come to have are definitely going to hear about Harriet Tubman.
0: Did you have any other likes from this movie before we move on to dislikes at all?
1: I think my last thing is just I enjoyed seeing a lot of unknown actors. I know I mentioned that there were a lot of familiar faces, but it was really cool to see people who either had been in one thing or that, you know, were formerly singers or, Mm -hmm. We've seen them in a handful, like even Joe Alwyn. We've seen them in a couple things, yep. but they've primarily been independent films. So I think that it was just a great pool of talent. And it was, I, I applaud them for choosing those people very specifically.
0: I do too I think they did a really good job with casting in this movie everybody that was cast I thought played their characters very well there was never a time when I was like ooh that person's not doing a really good job you know what I mean Like <laughs> right, sometimes that's, right. that's obvious when there's a certain character that's not really doing great or just isn't written well but I didn't feel that at all in this movie I thought everybody did a really good job in their performances and like you said I checked my watch maybe once or twice but definitely mm-hmm. not as much as I thought I was going to during this film because it did have great pacing and it moved along really well and I was in interested in it the whole time, didn't feel like two hours, so I applaud them for that because it's hard to get the life of a person in a two hour time period, which is kind of sort of one of my dislikes that I'll get into here in a minute, but I thought they did a good job overall of capturing the life of, of Harriet Tubman. So Absolutely Now we'll move into our dislikes, and I know you and I both, (laughs) this was a dislike of ours, when they showed the visions, which was an, an essential part of the story, and moved the plot along, so I get why you need to put them in there, but every time they cut to a vision, it turned into, like, they put this, like, blue filter over the film, or whatever, over the, you know, what you were seeing, and then, like, the camera would, like shake and stuff it was just very off-putting kind of off settling for the rest of the tone of the movie and when every time they went to a vision it was just like yes i know we're going to a vision and after you do it like once to establish that it's a vision then like i feel like you can just go back to it without having to do that every single time but every one would be like a shot of the moon and then like a vision and then that whole scene would play out with like a blue filter over the you know the scene that was being acted out
1: Yes, Jared, I could, I like guaranteed, I knew that you would dislike that too. Like and it, it, it's not, I believe that she had visions. Like I don't even care if it was scientific or if it was in her mind, whatever, that's fine. Um, but I just thought that they made it look almost like a cartoon
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and, and just kind of bizarre. Like I would have understood she was having a vision if we would have like just seen her fall to the ground and close her eyes for a minute. And then she told them what happened. Like, I actually didn't Mm -hmm. need to see the flashback and all that stuff or flash forward, if you will, because she was seeing what would happen in the future. Yeah, she's kind of seeing both. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, by far, that was my least favorite thing about the film. There wasn't nothing else really rubbed me the wrong way. I I hate the N word. I hate racial slurs. I hate I hate slavery and, and how people are treated in general at that time. But other than that, I mean, the visions were the weirdest part to me.
0: They were kind of odd. So I had two other dislikes with this movie. One was I thought the fact that they tried to cover her entire life was a little difficult. That's one thing Mm -hmm. that I did really like about the king and... Judy is that Judy kind of covers the last couple years of Judy Garland's life. The King kind of covers a specific time in Henry V's life. This movie is kind of covering everything, you know, from the beginning of her adulthood to the end of her life. And I felt like that was just hard to get in in two hours. So some parts were kind of rushed. You know what I mean? And I I, definitely I I understand going back and showing her like rescuing multiple people multiple times. But I felt like maybe after the third or fourth time that she did that, we didn't need to you know see that every time. Like she goes back to the place where she used to work and it's the same route that they take every time kind of and how they get back to where, you know, Philadelphia, where the freedom is. So I just feel like once we had seen that once or twice, I don't know if we needed to see that the other, you know, two or three times that we we saw it kind of.
1: Yes, I, I completely agree with you on that. I think that's a, a good thing to notice. And I also, I yeah, it was a lot of story to be told in such a short amount of time. And if I really went back to look at it, there's probably a couple things they could have cut out.
0: And I also thought that like when we got towards the Near the end of the movie when like Leslie Odom Jr.'s character is telling her that she's going to be a conductor of the Underground Railroad and is introducing her to all those people that are involved with the Underground Railroad and she goes and has meetings with big U.S. leaders and all that stuff. I felt like that part was a little rushed and that was actually really interesting to me, her doing all of that stuff. But I felt yes. like they were like, we have 20 minutes left of this movie. We kind of have to just get this all in now. And that right. was kind of a difficult, difficult thing there. Also, I I really like Leslie Odom Jr. This is my other dislike, but I don't know that I loved his character. I just feel Mm. like I didn't feel like he knew how to act it, or it wasn't wasn't written super well I don't know it was a very essential character to the movie but I just feel like he just didn't something was just off putting about his character to me I don't know what it was I don't know if it was like his kind of standoffishness towards Harriet but then like befriending her and then you know it just seemed like his personality changed wildly between scenes
1: okay i i loved him so i just didn't feel that way but you are entitled to your opinion sir that
0: was my only dislike with the cast i thought everybody else in the cast did a really good job um, and really played their characters very well like we've already mentioned and did really well with their roles we also didn't talk about her uh husband who after she gives gets freedom and then goes back finds out that uh he has dumped her and is a new woman (laughs)
1: I That'd know. Definitely be a, that was a, a super historical upsetting. dislike.
0: <laughs>
1: I I lost my mind when that happened. I mean, that that did happen. I don't know if it happened exactly that way, but that is that is true that that happened. So, okay. that was just really hard for me to watch to be honest. It was. It, was. it was
0: definitely one of the more well-acted and more dramatic scenes in the movie. I was like, yeah. "He is a jerk. She is trying to get, you know, freed from slavery and she did right. it. And then she's coming back to rescue all these other people and then he has to tell her that" She, he already has a new woman and she, he's already gotten that woman pregnant like yep. in the course of a couple so months. Sad. <laughs> so
1: sad. It really sad.
0: is. So that was really well acted scene but I like that they put that in there because it made you feel more for Harriet and her as a character. So that was really my only definitely. dislikes though. I didn't have any others just those few little things and the movie as a whole is very good and definitely one of the the higher quality biopics that we've seen this year. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to give some grades for this Katie?
1: I am Jared. I think I do think I think I went first last time. Did I? Okay, I
0: I don't know. Do you know? (laughs) I don't remember. I'll go first this time. I guess. You go ahead. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you. So. I gave Judy a 72 out of 100. I gave The King a 77 out of 100. And Harriet, I liked more than both of those movies. And the last couple we've done have been biopics based on historical people. So I'm going to give Harriet an 85 out of 100. I thought it was very solid. Just the the few things that I mentioned were my only dislikes with it. I felt like if they would have focused on one part of her life, maybe a little bit more instead of trying to cover the whole thing, that could have been a little better. Didn't love Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, um, and the Visions thing was kind of odd, but 85 out of 104, Harriet.
1: That's great. Mine um, is higher than that, but I think that that's an incredibly decent grade. I think this is one of the best films I've seen this year. It far exceeded my expectations. I actually did the same thing as you. Like I was looking at recent films because I keep saying I'm trying to be a little more critical. But Downton Abbey, let's face it, Downton Abbey was a movie about people of privilege. So I was like, (laughs) well, I definitely liked this better. I like I like this movie better. And I would much rather hear a story like this than a story about people who just grew up with privilege and this is their life. And I love that movie. I'm not knocking it or anything. And that's factual, too. But I'm just saying, I loved that this story is being told. I would watch this again and again. And I plan to. So I give it a 95. It is one of my highest films this year.
0: Nice. Yes. I'm looking yes. at the list right now. And you gave Peanut Butter Falcon a 95 and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a 96. Yes. And Rocket and Man Rocket a 95. Man. So those are yep. your highest ones. Yep. Yep. So this is right up there with those. So, well, good. It. It, Harriet's very good. If it's showing somewhere near you, definitely check it out. I know it's still showing here in Lafayette. I'm assuming it's still showing in Dayton, a couple different places. It sure is.
1: Yeah, it's even showing in our little, the theater that usually does independent ones, it's also showing Harriet, which I think is, is very good, especially for this town. It's exactly. definitely attracting an audience.
0: Very cool. So it should be in theaters still somewhere near you, and then like I, it'll be you know at the Red Box and places like that very soon. So if you do miss it in theaters, be sure to check it out when it hits the Red Box and streaming because it's definitely one to watch, and you'll learn a lot too about Harriet Tubman if you don't already know a lot about her. Definitely find out more things that she did in her life and was a huge historical figure and person of importance that I don't feel like we talk about enough. So it's very good that we made this movie about Harriet Tubman because it's very interesting. So Harriet, those are our great. Yes. Again, an 85 out of 100 from me and a 95 out of 100 from Katie and you can listen to the Silver Screen Podcast a lot of different ways. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of those locations too. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Silver. And then you can also like our Facebook page. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast. And if you do listen in um, Apple Podcasts, be sure to just give us a quick review. Hit the five stars button if you really like our podcast and just give us a rating. That always helps us out too. And then our next episode Episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. It's a movie that I have been looking forward to for quite a while because I saw the two gentlemen that are in the film do a press conference back in May at the Indianapolis mm-hmm. Motor Speedway because they drove the or they waved the green flag for the race. And that is Christian Bale and Matt Damon and they are in Ford versus Ferrari, which will be our next episode here on the Silver Screen Podcast. Very interested to learn in about yet another true story about a car race.
1: Me too. I'm so excited. I remember when you got to see them because they came for the 500. Mm -hmm. That was right around the time when I got to see Tom Hanks in real life, which was was one of the best (laughs) days of my life. So I'm excited for this film too. It's getting really good reviews so far. And thank you all for voting too, because we did a brief poll kind of last minute to see what people were interested in seeing. And people are very interested in this one.
0: I'm excited to see it. Ford v. Ferrari uh, will be out very soon and we'll be reviewing it here on the Silver Screen Podcast. Christian Bale and Matt Damon are great actors and I feel like they haven't been in anything this year so far. This is kind of their big no. project for for the year. So obviously Christian Bale was in Vice, which came out last year. And then Matt Damon, it's been a while since he's been in anything big. I feel like I can't remember the last thing that that he's been in so
1: much. (laughs) He is my, he is my, um, mid forties, Tom Hanks. (laughs) Like it's Tom Hanks is my favorite in the sixties. Matt Damon's forties for me.
0: Good to know. Also, we'll talk about it next Mm -hmm. week too, but I just want to say he's a very personable person. Like he's just totally a dude that I feel like you could hang out with and get a beer with. He seemed, he's at the 500. He was very chill, like talking to everybody get autographs all that stuff anything people wanted he was he was more than willing to accommodate so i feel like he just loves his job as an actor and is like this is just fun so let's just have fun with it so (laughs) that's kind of his whole approach to life which is great so on next week's episode we will be reviewing ford v ferrari so go see that in theaters and that'll be our next episode here on the silver screen podcast
1: until next time we'd like to thank the academy